In this episode of the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience, John Maddox sits down with Fund Loan's top two account executives and SEC members, Alexander Inda and Austin West. The three speak about what happened in 2019, how mortgage brokers can succeed in 2020, what type of mortgage products they'd like to see next, and much more. Now, before we get to today's episode, remember to head over to YouTube and go to our Fun Loans channel, like, share, subscribe, and just soak in all the non-QM mortgage knowledge. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast. Listen in as CEO John Maddox of Fund Loans reveals tips, secrets, and origination ideas to fill your pipeline with million dollar opportunities. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with two of our top producers from last year, Alex Inda, top producer, and Austin West, second, second place, <laughs> but you also get, you know, you, get some, you guys are neck and neck a lot. Yeah. Yes, we were. But uh, good year, 2019. Great year. Yeah. A lot happened. It did. It did. A lot of stuff happened. And you guys aren't, what's crazy is you guys aren't like crazy seasoned AEs. Like you haven't been in this business, like during the crash, you guys were probably still in high school, maybe 10 years ago, 12 years ago. I, or like just out of high school. I, I was graduating in yeah. 2007 <laughs> wow yeah. wow what about you yeah same graduated 2007 went to college yeah so this is this is the first mortgage job you guys have had yeah yeah other than you know you worked at chase and yeah i never touched a loan though right I worked retail side so i didn't even people ask me questions about a mortgage i'm like dude i have no idea go talk to my loan officer in the back yeah so we put you guys through the fire like it was like mortgage 101 by just fire one way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> like, you ain't going to make any money unless you get these loans done. Yeah, right? yeah. And I don't think you realize that until, like, you're in it. You're like, oh, shit, I'm really not going to make any money until I get these loans <laughs> yeah. done. You're like, okay. Yeah. Everything well, sounds uh, great on paper, and yeah. then you're three months in, like, oh, right. this is louder than everyone made it seem like it was. But yeah. then, you know, you get a couple of these jumbos, and next thing you know, you're doing, like, five to six million, and then you don't worry about the the the, the dollar amount anymore. It's right. more about fundings and how do i get to 10 million how do i get to 15 million things like that but uh yeah that's so, what makes it exciting so that, that is exciting because i see your paychecks so <laughs> <laughs> i know that's been exciting um yeah uh what what do you think separates you guys from your average ae because you know doing 100 million last year and you're you were at what 60 70 uh, 75 85 yeah. what what where's the report no yeah. um so that's very incredibly great for yeah. especially for i mean just for any ae but for especially for a new ae but um i see how how much you guys work how much time you put in and so talk to me about your work ethic and kind of what you think separates you from other account executives or even just anyone in the business like to start with you alex uh, i think uh, the big thing is especially since maybe we might not know everything in the beginning mm -hmm. uh the work ethic in terms of the ability to, um, when you, the, I, I think the biggest thing is when you have an issue on a file, the ability to show the broker that you realize the issue, you know possible solutions, mm -hmm. uh, you lay it out for the broker, say, hey, we have A, B, C, D, mm -hmm. I've thought about it already, I've spoken to the team, uh, mm -hmm. this is what I think we could do to get it back on track if it falls off the track. Offering I think solutions. And yeah, I think that's the quickest way to, to, to solidify a relationship right. is uh, how to make a loan uh go to the finish line when you have an issue you know everybody yeah. could do 
you know, 50 LTV, you know, yeah. a million in assets, you know, putting 250 K down on a $500,000 loan. Sure. It's the nitty gritty that, that, uh, will maintain your relationship, especially for, you know, repeat brokers and repeat customers. Right. So I think that's like, that my biggest thing is. It's almost like you're a member of the team with a broker, like right. the broker. You're not just like the guy over at the lender, but you're a team member with that broker to get his deal done. And it's now partly your deal, our deal, you know, at the same time, we're just, we're all a team trying to get it done. So yeah. you're offering solutions when, you know, some, some AEs would just be like, oh, sorry, man, your deal just yeah went sideways. Uh, I don't know what to tell you, you know, right. but you guys are offering solutions and, and trying to get that deal done, which, which, which means a lot, like from originator's perspective, you know, when you have someone on the other end, that's, that's talking to you like a team member you want to come back and bring your deals, not even just your hard deal, just any deal, because it's just like, it feels right. You know? Right. What about you, Austin? Something that always sticks in my mind is Dave talks about all the time. Right. I mean, Dave was one of the top five AEs for the largest subprime lender for Mm -hmm. a decade straight. So that guy's been around, I think at their peak, he said they had something like a thousand AEs there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and something he always says that we do differently, that is brokers aren't accustomed to even he didn't see back in the day is we are kind of that new AJE, right? If we, whenever we go to these shows, you mm-hmm. look around and the average AE at other companies in their 40s, 50s, sometimes 60s, right? So these right. guys have been doing it for 5, Forever, 10, yeah. 15, 20 years. And part of that is the thought process behind how you are supposed to be an AE is a bit antiquated. Yeah. And something well, I so think that... it's so different today than it, it was then, yeah. Today, something I believe that we truly do differently than most AEs today or prior AEs mm-hmm. is we're technicians. Yep. Like you said, we're so involved in understanding <clears throat> every single aspect of the loan now right. that when something comes off track, they do have that trust in us yep. that he's saying that we've been able to build now. The AE's like, oh, okay, well, that can. I'm, I'm not really worried. Austin or Alex got this, right? So it's yep. having the ability to look at things differently, change with the industry. People like to call this subprime, but it's so different. But there's also been nothing like this out there ever. Right. So if you're an AE that's been doing this 20 years, just because you have a big book of business and you've understood what it takes to be an AE Mm -hmm. successful 10, 20 years ago, that's not going to work today. Right, right. You have to just have a different approach. And I think that's where we're a little bit blessed that we came into this knowing absolutely (laughs) nothing. Yeah, you didn't have any old habits you had to draw. No, just a couple of guys who've been successful in sales and other prior jobs that Mm -hmm. gave this kind of a fresh look and then, that's why we've had successfully ease even under us, right? Mm-hmm. Is because we're giving them a different perspective. And we have had a lot of you guys come through that have been 10, 20 year AEs yeah. that it just didn't work. So right. in a new type of lending, you need a new type of approach. And I think the way we approach it is we're like, yeah, we're AEs and here's what I'm supposed to do. But I want to know what my aim does. I want to know why an underwriter thinks this way. Right. I want to know what what are the issues that you've had trying to sell the loan that maybe I need to look out for. Right. So it's understanding every aspect of it mm-hmm. is what has made us successful compared to just, I'm an AE, here's my box, here's what I do. And at the end of the day, it just, it doesn't work the same. Right. And you're not just the guy that's call, 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 bugging people, but you have solutions, you've got right. products, different things. So let's talk about brokers because that's who's listening, that's who's watching us. Um, you know, brokers, most every broker that I know would love to do a $2 million loan, would love to do three, four, six million dollar loan. They just don't always fall in their laps. You know, they don't, sometimes they don't even know how to go get them. 
um, because they've just known, you know, their Fannie Freddie or they've known their, their FHA, VA Govy, whatever, maybe they're a VA specialist, but they're starting to see like, oh gosh, my book's starting to, you know, I, I can only churn it so many times. I can only refi these people so many times. I've got my, my realtor, uh, base who's sending me purchases, but I'd love to get tap into some of these bigger loans and these more non-QM interesting deals. What do you think? Cause I know you guys have top brokers. So you have brokers that send you business every month, every, you know, scenarios every week maybe even, even every day. What do you think separates uh, your average broker from your top brokers? Like, what do you think they're doing differently to get some loans that would fit, you know, these big jumbo deals, kind of what we do? Yeah, I think the, the common thing for my top brokers is uh, you kind of hear this, the repeat scenario, like, hey, I got this client from a financial advisor. I got this client from uh, my close CPA friend. Mm -hmm. um, I've done a loan for one of his past clients, so now I'm getting his, you know, other self-employed borrowers. Right. Um, I know we've said that before in the past, but the best brokers I have still get their clients from financial advisors, from CPAs. Um, even, uh, even I'll tell you a story. Even my own, you know, financial advisor this morning emailed me a scenario about one of her clients wanting to buy a 1.1 million dollar home in Maine. And yeah. she knows what I do. So, you know, I, I, the, the more you get out there that you could do certain things, mm -hmm. you'll start to reach out to, to more of these kind of clients. And my fan, financial advisor who has this database, or, you know, her borrowers are, you know, making well over a million dollars a year. And, and I think that is still the goldmine of, of, of clients, current clients and future clients. To that point, I think, you know, as a mortgage broker right now is like, it's it's not like oh five in in a sense, but it it's I mean mortgage people are making a lot of money. They're crushing it right now. Um, <clears throat> in two thousand twenty, looks like it's going to be the same, if not way better still. So we can hope. Yeah, we can hope, right? As long as we don't <laughs> get into some big war or something. Um, but my thought is, if a mortgage broker is crushing it and they're making all this money, right? Why not go meet with a financial advisor yourself? Mm -hmm. Because some some mortgage brokers are like, ah, you know, I'm a finance guy. I know how to, you know, play the stock market. I know how to invest my own money. And maybe they do. Maybe we do. But how much cooler would it be is if, if you found and made friends with someone that could manage your money and then you guys could create a referral relationship? You know, that I think, you know, it, it sounds like what you did. Mm -hmm. But even I think mortgage brokers in general could start doing that. And then just go interview a few of them. Tell mm -hmm. them what you do. Tell them what you specialize in. and then you know, maybe you'll make three referral sources or two out of the three and pick the one you like best to manage your own money. Right. And then, you know, maybe you'll, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that could be a good referral. And I asked her in the email, I said, do you have a loan officer or broker that you're going to refer your borrower because she's not licensed in Maine? Right. And she said, no. So yeah. I'm venture to say, she probably hasn't even been, you know, introduced or you have, she hasn't had somebody like, you know, John Maddox come to the office and say, right. let me help you out today. What, what can you need help with through, through your borrowers? Because they're looking to make money too and expand their portfolio with their borrower. Exactly. So, you know, everybody's in the business of increasing their wealth. Right. And then and a cool thing about um, financial advisors and why they would work well with a mortgage broker versus a banker mm -hmm. is not being non-depository. So I would always go and tell financial advisors, hey, I'm a non-depository lender or I'm a non-depository broker, meaning your client that you manage their wealth is never going to take their money out to work with me. Mm -hmm. You know, if they go, say, like, they go here, Wells Fargo's got this great rate. If you transfer a million bucks, you know, and boom, they just took a million dollars out of your, you know, out of the money you're managing. And now you're, that sucks because you get paid off your 
overall, um, you know, numbers. Portfolio, you, portfolio yeah. yeah. So that's a good selling point to to talk to wealth advisors. Like, hey, I'm non-depository. I'm a broker. Mm-hmm. You know, we broker to non-depository lenders and read. You know, they sell the REITs or they sell to the street, but to Wall Street. But you know, they're never going to be at a at a big. It's never going to be sold to Chase. There's never right. going to be sold to a Wells or a City or something like that. So. Um, that's a good information to give to a wealth advisor. What about you, Austin? Cause I know you've worked with, um, your brokers have worked with wealth, wealth advisors too, but what are some others? Yeah. I mean, that, and that just kind of came natural being six years at chase. Yeah. You know, I would get all these calls, but I can't work direct. So I'd start introducing a lot of these bankers and wealth advisors to my brokers. And then right. they've built that relationship. And I, I think people underestimate the power of referrals. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's one of the oldest ways to get business, but Let's go back two years, you know, when Bobby, our yeah. CPA, that we had to use him for one of the CPA letter needs. Investors are fine with it as long as he does his thing. Well, then we did a good, you know, we helped him there. And then Bobby reached out to me and had the, that crazy 12 pack mm-hmm. that we did of those loans. And then, but I had to refer that to a loan officer. Right. So, you know, we broker, go to yeah. him, he brings me business back. I take that business, give a 12 pack to a loan officer because right. I gave him business. He's now referring things back. Mm-hmm. And then we helped that CPA's client who then went and told her friends, referred more to him. Back. Right. And it's this, I have this massive daisy chain from one time. We reached out to this guy <laughs> one time, and I've probably gotten $15 million total off that one relationship. Wow. Or it's like um, your uh, processors. I get a lot of referrals going, going down that avenue, too. Yeah. They enjoy working with us. So mm-hmm. we, have, we have this one processing firm that charges people double if they don't send a non-skim loan to fund loans. <laughs> That's awesome. So $1,800 if you go to our competitors, but if you go to fund loans, it's 900 That's great. So like, well, why is that? Well, they just do better work, right? Yeah. So people underestimate referrals. And we can go on and on about the avenues, but people just refuse. They give up too easily, mm-hmm. or they'll try for like a week. Oh, I didn't get anything from it. Right. Right. We could go all day. Wealth advisors, your old bankers, private money guys, mm-hmm. um, talking to your own clients, CPAs, divorce attorneys. How many podcasts have we named the same things over and over? Yeah. And, and you'd, I bet you'd hope that one yeah. out of 20 have even tried that. Right. right. So right. I just, the referrals in general, just focusing on that, people underestimate. Reach out to your clients you have done business with, the people in your circle, your network. Mm hmm. Just because people do know you do mortgages doesn't mean they're automatically going to hand it over. Sometimes and you got to. Oftentimes they don't even think of you. They go, you know, you see them at a barbecue. So, oh man, I forgot you did yeah, mortgages. That's right. <laughs> oh I man, day, I should have. Right, yeah, I yeah. should have told this guy about you. Well, you can tell him now. Yeah, call him. Let's call him right now. Let's help him. Yeah, it's uh, it's it referrals. You're right. The power of referrals is huge because there's something about that trust, right? Like if someone refers you a loan or he refers you business. You it just comes with the credibility, the trust right away, you know, versus like some person cold calling. Now, cold calling has its place, but if you know, if you could take a cold calling or a you know lead off the internet or a referral all day long, you're going to take a referral, right? You know, so so what? So you think your brokers are do, getting referrals? A lot of your best brokers are they? Is that their strategy? If if you ask any of my top brokers, they haven't made a cold call. They haven't gone out in the field. They thrive off referral business yeah. because they know how to manage that referral business. Right. And I'd say we're probably in the same place too. I haven't had to make like cold calls and for over a year. That's right. Good. It's referral base or people I meet at shows. Yeah. Those are really the only two ways I'm building my, b- my business now. Yeah. Is NAM or AIM, these conferences mm-hmm. we go to and referrals. That's it. Because I understood the power of it. Small things like sending thank you and handwritten cards. Those things go so far in building that trust. Mm-hmm. 
with somebody that they trust you enough right. to take somebody else they care about, hey, help me. And people don't understand that that kind of stuff goes into it too. Are you friends with your broker? Do you have right. a relationship? Do you care about that person's life and everything else going on? Or are you just trying to get money off them? Right, right. It's like everything involved with building relationships around getting those referrals, it's all intertwined. Yeah, and these are things that I think people, you know, as they're setting up their goals for 2020, mortgage brokers could go and say, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna take better care, care of my past clients. I'm going to take better care of them by sending them thank you cards, sending them a, a thank you gift. I know there's a RESPA, you know, thing, but you could send them a little, you know, whatever it is, a little thank you, something that's meaningful. And I tell you, that changes the way they, they view you, that changes the way they... A handwritten note goes so far, like a handwritten thank you. Well, let's look at Preston, right? He's one yeah. of my top brokers. Mm -hmm. He started, like, how we get so many of his referrals and repeat business is after he closed a loan, he'd send a bottle of champagne or wine, whatever right. their favorite liquor was, directly to the borrower with the handwritten note, hey, congrats, appreciate your business. Yep. And then he was a couple so successful. cards in there, right. probably. Yes, he was so successful at that. I mean, his wife ended up opening the company who then partners with people like us, where we send out as a thank you, right? Right. He saw the power of what that did for his small business. Mm -hmm. And now he's partnered up with all these different companies. And Leonard is like, hey, see what a simple thank you bottle powerful, or yeah. card does, right? And we've seen the power. And when we send those out to our brokers as well, right? the small things go so much further than people well, think. Well, you know who does that is like high-end places. Like you go to a high-end hotel or you go to a high-end car dealer and you buy a car they give you these these nice yeah, things, and yeah. it's like a super special touch. You know, you go to, you know, a Best Western or something. You're not gonna. <laughs> it's just a different feel, and you don't get those thank yous. And you know, obviously, there's you're spending more money, so they can afford to. Right. But, but then again, like you know, they could afford to give you something small, right, as a thank you. You know, and and I think what what mentality you have to take on that mentality of what are successful people doing. Whether or not they're spending a lot of money, you could still do something. It's just the time, the thought that makes that difference. You know, like if you're taking a little time out of your day, it's, it's expensive to you because your time is valuable, but you're not having to spend money. You can just send a nice thank you note, say a few nice things about what happened along the way, you know, maybe make a joke or whatever that, that'll make them smile. And then you left that lasting impression on them. And they're going to think of you next time. It's like trying to wow your, or, you know, make your, your client end with a wow. Like I, I remember used to look every time when I was on a phone call with a client, I would look for the wow. I try to get them to say, wow, if you could get them to say, wow, no matter what you guys are talking about, then you've like kind of had a little win. Right. Like if you talk to a broker and you're like, yeah, we can do that. Right. And you know, and, and, and we'll get it done in, you know, 16 days here, you wait for it and they go, wow. And you're like, yeah, you know, that's wowing your, your clients is, is a huge Thing. And I'm, yeah, I'll be the first to admit I'm probably one of the worst at it, right? Is like you said, when you're taking time out of your day to write those cards or reach out, mm -hmm. send a text, send an email, just a simple thank you. Like it, it, I, I fall in that rut of, oh, I don't have time. I'll push it off. I'll push it off. And then I'll eventually do it. And you see the reaction. And you're like, oh, there's so much more value in that. And yeah. you think even, even when I push it down the road a day or two, and then I'll get to it, whatever it might be. Right. And then if somebody else reaches out, like if I find a loan or get a CTC and a broker calls, Dude, thank you so much. Just wanted to say appreciate. I'm like, oh man, makes yeah. it feel real good, it right? It totally does. Yeah, I, I'm I'm probably one of the worst at underestimating how far that value truly does go because it goes right but back to it's building. It's easy that to forget too trust. when when you're getting a lot yeah. of business. Yeah. Like when you guys, you don't have to make cold calls. 
you're getting a lot of business. So like maybe right now mortgage broker is it's they're crushing it because there's a, like a refi boom or whatever, you know, and so they don't have time to do that. But what happens when they take time to do right. that? Right. And they're building that future business versus just the now business that they're getting. Right. So I think like if you, if you back to kind of what we were learning on our sales summit is like, if you can take a little, you know, time to write down some things that you want to accomplish versus just being reactive, then you could say, okay, well, I'm so busy, but you know, at one point today, I'm going to, on my little list, I'm going to check off that I, that I sent out three thank yous, right? You know, called three people, left them voicemails, thanking them for their business, whatever it is. If you do that every day, it also keeps the gratitude cycle, right? Which we all believe in. It's like, the more you're grateful, the more gratitude you have, there's just something about it, you know? I don't want to get too like spiritual, but like- It perpetuates. It, it perpetuates yeah. this, this interesting thing that we, in life that, just somehow, you know, you, you see a lot of people with success and you just, you, you hear a lot of, I'm just very grateful. I'm gra- I have gratitude. It's easy to man. overlook that, that reoccurring broker, that reoccurring relationship. It might not have to be a broker or your bank relationship, but it could be your processor or it could mm-hmm. be somebody you just take for granted. And you, you know, everybody has that three people that you always should say thank you, but you're just like, oh, they know it's, they know it's thank you. But, you know, we should all take a time out of our data. Like you said, say thank you and make it known. Like we appreciate you and we appreciate your loans. And sometimes it just takes <clears throat> a few minutes to send a text. Yeah. Not even a minute. It takes seconds. Yeah. Few seconds. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you write your text. <laughs> real long text. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if we were to like look at a pie chart of the loans you guys did last year, would would you guys say like a lot of them were self employed? Were a lot of them investment properties? Like, what would be like the biggest piece of that pie? I would say personally, bank statements easily. Yeah. Um, probably because I purposely try to manifest that. Mm-hmm. Talked a little bit about that at the sales summit. That yep. I try to make my presence in non-QM known as the bank statement guy. Right. I do all my reviews. I teach brokers what I'm doing. Complete the worksheet form. Break it down. Give them an analysis. Here's how we prep for underwriting. Right. Give me this LOE. Be prepared to source this. That's why when they get a condition list, they're not surprised. The borrower's not surprised. Right. Or the conditions are so minimal. Right. So when mm-hmm. brokers go through that experience, they, they're like, I'm not sending a bank statement loan to anyone else. Yeah. I've had brokers who have done three or four bank statement loans. It's with. full doc, but I'd rather send a bank statement. Well, no, they'll call and be like, Do you do full doc stuff? I'm like, Yeah, man, we're still a lender. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Full doc. Oh, yeah. All I ever do is send you bank statements. So right. I purposely kind of try to manifest that and I enjoy bank statement loans. I yeah. think you're with me. I full doc is just whole different complexity there's mm-hmm. there always seems like more goes wrong with those than on a bank but we do those line, right? really good because of our under the quality of our underwriters they mm-hmm. really get oh just what they've seen they yeah get I mean, that stuff but i hear what you're saying like you that's what you as done an ae the most perspective of. Yeah. right it's just as an ae you're not dive you can't spend hours and dive into tax returns and understand it all right that's what right. you need the underwriter for but you mm-hmm. can't really get to that point to get it to underwriting mm-hmm. bank statements all we need is 12 or 24 months so we could pretty much tell you the entire file right there yeah and you know if they qualify right yeah. off the bat so yeah. um i'd say probably 80 percent of my business 75 percent of my business last year was bank statement stuff that's good yeah that's good about you yeah same about same percentage probably and then the other you know, 20, 25 percent is probably the no income, no asset loans for investors. Mm-hmm. Um, just easy for takeout loans. It's easy for purchases. Uh, cash, you know, it doesn't have to cash flow. Uh, that's the big, the big incentive right now that it doesn't have to cash flow for the property. But uh, and then the remaining five percent, it's uh, it could be a combination of full doc, you know, asset depletion. I'm seeing a lot of uh, actually you get yeah. a lot of asset loans now. Yeah, a lot yeah. of asset uh, depletion, assets mm-hmm. only. 
mm-hmm. especially with combination with full doc income or bank statement income. That's so, a great product. Yeah. I remember always scratching my head when, when I first got back into the mortgages in like 2012, after I took a few years off, I was like, you're telling me this guy has a million dollars in the bank and his loan's 800,000 and he doesn't have the ability to repay that loan. Right. I see it right here in his bank. He has the ability to repay that loan in one lump sum. Yeah. Like, and it just, it just always scratched my head. So when we launched that product, I just, it just, uh, it was exciting to me. And yeah. you guys see, starting to see more of that. Yeah. It's a lot of conversation starters. It's a lot of, you know, it, it's a, I'm doing one right now, 2.3 million in cash out refi, mm-hmm. you know, has social security income, but has a ton of assets and we're depleting his other real estate owned mm-hmm. easily qualifying. This guy is uh wealth, you know, wealth rich and uh, yeah. going to take down the loan for him. Like, you know, if someone has, you know, a house free and clear that's worth 2 million mm-hmm. and then he has, and that's his just rental property or second home. And he's got his, you know, main house at 3 million and he's got social security. He's got some, he's got cash in the bank, but just not enough. And like if this shit hit the fan, you know, we could either rent out the second home or sell it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me like this guy can't make his, you know, like there's just a lot of nonsense and not make sense lending happening out there. Yeah. And the, the whole combination of income streams is probably the most make sense thing. So you'll allow a borrower to get a loan full doc or all asset utilization. Mm-hmm. But up until we rolled out those guides, you'd never let him do the cut. Ca- <laughs> Isn't the, the combination combo? a bit more safe? Yeah, like right? he's got a, he's got good income, you have and steady, he's got a bunch yeah. of cash. You have a steady stream and a yeah. massive pile of cash you can dip into at any point. Right. That to me is already a safer borrower than if you're making him do either or. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I can qualify full doc at a exactly at a forty nine nine DTI, and I got three months of reserves. Right. We'll give that guy a loan all day. Right. But the guy with the million bucks, we would, I don't know, it didn't make sense. So so, so if, we get a lot of those asset ones getting creative now and educating the CPAs about that product i think is a huge you know educating the educating the cpas about that product is a huge would be a huge way to get business because cpas they're not their job isn't to go get educated about what loan products are there but you know i mean i I would i would suggest get a place like a restaurant invite as many cpas you could you could invite sit down, buy them all lunch or buy them all. And then to have a round table and tell them about your products. Like if, if they took our product list, you know, mortgage broker got six CPAs, you know, at a table or at a bar and like sat them down, told them what we could do. Or I love free lunch. Just bring me. Yeah. I'll talk yeah. to CPAs. For yeah. <laughs> bring an AE and he'll, t- he'll tell the CPAs everything we do. And, um, trust attorneys too. Yeah. Trust attorneys, divorce attorneys, trust on, attorneys is huge. They got none of assets well. in there. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. There's so many ways to get business. And that's what's exciting about these products, I think. And then, you know, do you do you get brokers that call you just for intel? Like, hey, what do you do? Like, we tell me about like your products. Cause I would suggest brokers just pick up the phone, call an AE, call one of you guys, call one of our AEs, just call our, our toll-free number, ask for an AE and just ask for someone to explain all the products and like the ways that we could help their, you know, help. How, how would I pitch a CPA? How would you pitch a CPA? And then, and then, yeah. And if they're, if they're around, you know, local or if they're in, you know, even maybe it's Orange County, maybe it's in, you know, sometimes we go to Arizona and visit, you know, uh, on trips or Florida for different, you know, broker conferences, we'll come out and meet with, you You know, we'll reschedule it. We'll come spend time and invest in the brokers as, as well with, as their clients. Yeah. You know, and their referral sources. So that's good. Um, 
what are your comments about the growth of our team? I know you started when it was yeah. really small, but we've doubled in size, uh, grown a ton. You know, I know right now we're so backlogged. We're, we're a little bit backlogged, a little bit backlogged in underwriting, but that should be over in the next two weeks. We just met about it, but um, it's a good problem to have. But what it's have you guys seen? Surreal, you know? man. I mean, just, you know, I, we started in this office almost three years ago, April. Yep. And I think there was, Dave and I counted, we had like 11 employees day one, mm -hmm. 11 or 12. Yep. And then sitting, I was sitting in the corner when everybody, we couldn't even fit everybody in the room. Yeah. And that's not even every single employee that we actually had, right? right. We have yeah. some out of state, remote, some remote yeah. that couldn't come, vacation, whatever it might be. And it's exciting. I mean, it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Yeah. What do you think is some of the best changes that we've made on loans? Um, just staff wise or in general it's general yeah i think as a as a general i mean the, the biggest move was the guidelines i think uh, in 20 exactly where i was going mm -hmm. yep i mean you can see it in the numbers that jerry when he was going through the breakdown of the numbers at the sales summit 83 percent of our loans are approved mm -hmm. and that, it, he he was like he just you know <laughs> yeah it seems normal like that's what he's used to but yeah. in my perception and knowing non-qm 83 percent seems like it's pretty damn great for that's a great lending. percentage yeah and then 62 percent of our loans had exceptions on them yeah. so you want to talk about when non-qm calls themselves the make sense exception based lender well let's prove that's it. what we, we, we can show you the data behind yeah. it so the only way we got there is by making our own guidelines and getting off the nipple of the investor so to speak yeah yeah and 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 truly doing make sense lending redefining non-qm to not just these other boxes, but like outside the box, like looking at it holistically and seeing if this is a good loan credit wise, is it, is it a good credit decision versus does it just perfectly fit in this little other non-QM box? And I think that's what a lot of our competitors do. They just up oh, fits in this box. So yeah, we get your loan done. Whereas, you know, we're, we're looking at it in a holistic approach. And I think a lot, it goes to you guys and, and our AE team and scrubbers to like, we don't let a loan in if it's just terrible. You know, right. if it's, if we see a loan and it's just crap, like we turn it away or we turn it around or we re-educate the broker on, you know, why this is this loan. And I think that a lot of probably goes to you where you're doing some of the upfront scrubbing on the bank statements. Like, mm -hmm. okay. And so you, you sometimes probably will turn a borrow or a broker and say, this loan is not going to qualify. Have you done that? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the, the more you do that, the higher our percentage goes up because you're stopping them from wasting six days, you know, in, in intake and scrubbing and underwriting and then, you know, to get a decline. Well, that's the goal. I tell them, give me a general overview and then yeah. how much the borrower needs to qualify. So right. I got a million dollar purchase, 750 loan amount, 700 FICO, whatever. Here's the bank statements. They need 12 grand a month to qualify. Right. And we'll go through and do the breakdown. And before an expense ratio, you're at 10 grand. A, there's no way right. you're, you're not yeah. going to, don't there's, waste your time. Move on. Yeah. If you and need then, 20 grand yeah. a month and your bank statements is only eight yeah you're not getting a loan <laughs> yeah it's good to know that before you submit the loans right. well i think some of it is is on that reputation yeah uh, not only as us as individual aes but as fund loans mm -hmm. uh, you know we have certain minimums loan amounts and ficos um you know austin pointed out we approve 83 percent of our loans but mm -hmm. when you guys went over the you know our average loan which is what like 70 ltv 720 fico mm -hmm. like these They're are good great loans. loans yeah and uh good when you borrowers. hear high level exceptions and high level approval rates some people might think we do everything and, you know, under the table, but we do solid loans. We, you know, for everything from our analysis to our team here that we've added, right. um, we take care of our quality loans. We take care of our broker relationships and thus they give us better packages. We, you know, then fund better loans and they, 
we keep on going. And it's that, it's that reputation that well, I've learned in this business is key. Yeah. When you go to shows, everybody knows everybody. Yeah. You know, Fun Loans, I think, has that reputation of, of getting good, great jumbo loans done and getting them done in a timely matter. Right. And, you know, non curum is not for everybody, but this is all we do. You know? Right. Yeah, it is. It is all we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't do any Fanny Freddie. I was just hearing something like, I forget, it was one of our competitors. I don't, remember, I don't want to name names, but they do a lot of agency loans. And I didn't even know they did agency loans. So I was like, now I'm curious. Interesting. <laughs> the word lend is in their name. Okay. <laughs> Narrows it down a little yeah. bit. <laughs> um, so what, what do you think? I know recently or last year, uh, something we thought was going to be maybe a big kind of a hit to us all, the whole industry <clears throat> in general, stopped doing borrower prepared P&L type of loans just because there was like a, uh, yeah, I think the, F, not FDIC, the uh, CFPB came into one of the competitors. Yeah, and... I was probably the first one to be outraged about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've had Which... zero issues with it since. Yeah, because... To be I... fair, yeah. I right. was like, this is going to ruin my business. <laughs> right. I had one person bring it up. Everyone yeah. else is like, all right, yeah, here's options. I'm like... There's a CPA prepared or here's a CPA yeah, letter. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah. I thought it was going to be way worse than it was. Yeah, but... and I, I, I... What were you going to say? Yeah, I think it, I think it wasn't an issue because... You know, we have so many different ways of calculating income. Yeah. You realize, yeah. like, all right, you lost one of your ten, but you still have nine other ones. Let's figure out how to. That's why I like this business. Everybody's like, all right, how can we get the loan done? Right now, they they have that one gone. Doesn't mean the loan's dead. Let's just figure out, you know, out of the nine other ways how to get it done. Right. But it kind of vanished like uh, straws, plastic straws. Like one day it was like here, <laughs> and then the next day, like everybody in the business, nowhere can you find a barber pan. Like, you like, like put a straw in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this tastes weird. This is right. cardboard. Yeah, but that's how it was. What a great analogy. Came. Yeah, it just came, and all of a sudden it was gone, and then all right, it's, it's, well, uh, back yeah. to life. You know, uh, still, I I'll I'll still can get my cup. drink. Yeah, yeah, it's like plastic straws or uh, paper straws suck, but you're still gonna use it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just because we don't have the best option out there doesn't mean it's. Not something else you could do. You're still do. drinking your liquid out of the cup, you know. You <laughs> still so get to keep the, on going. the same point. Yeah. Let's <laughs> um, uh, let's talk about um, anything you guys learned in 19. Anything that you you're like, I just want to get that behind me. I don't want to do that this year. Anything that like, you know, we talked about habits in our sales summit, but like, what is anything you just you're you're glad is behind us in 19? Anything? It's not really around the business or fun loans it's how i figured out how to do my job mm. so i'm i'm so meticulous and a borderline perfectionist in what i do that i didn't have enough knowledge to really be the aeam now and i'm still kind of growing through it that i'm probably two to three times busier now than i was at this time last year mm-hmm. but last year i was just anxiety ridden and i was constantly like my work days were four or five hours longer and I couldn't sleep. And first thing I do is wake up and start, what did I have? What did I forget? What am I missing? Right. Compared to now I have fun with it all the time. Like I'm not stressed. I figured out my routine, how to do things, how to communicate with brokers, the Mm -hmm. best way to price and approach and, and how I fill out my forums and what can help the team and my bro everything. Right. It was the biggest thing I learned and, and, Obviously, those things help to an increase in revenues and growth and your volume, right? So my big thing from 2019 was figuring out how to be the best AE, but also having that work-life balance, having Mm -hmm. fun with what you do. Yes, I enjoyed it, but a year ago, I enjoyed like the freedoms and the money that comes Mm -hmm. with being an AE, right? 
Now I enjoy every aspect of the job. I remember I used to answer calls of brokers like almost annoyed sounding. Had nothing to do with them. Hey, it's Austin. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Just like short, like I'm busy. Like what, what do you wants? need, right? <laughs> right? And now it's just like, what's up, dude? What you doing? New? You know, it's, yeah. it's a different. So my biggest growth from 2019 was trying to, okay, I, I know the business now. Yeah. I understand the industry and how to be successful in it. Now, how can I interject who I am and make make the account executive role Austin, right? Right, right. How can I have fun with it and continue mm-hmm. to talk to these brokers and build friendships and go on these events and have fun with it, but still being a high producing AE at the same time? So that was my biggest thing. What do you think 19. was the biggest contributor to that? Like what did you did did something click in your head or did you just have more experience or did you just say, you know what, I'm gonna focus more on myself and my health and my you know, or what was there anything or a bunch of different things? Big focus on myself. I went through a the last 12, 18 months of my life has been huge into just personal development. Mm-hmm. And fun loans is a big contributor to that because mm-hmm. here I am, one of the first dozen people at a startup company who's just blowing the non-QM game out of the water. Everything is just red alert. I have a massive opportunity ahead of me. Mm-hmm. And I knew that if I failed at this for any reason, if I didn't do this to my fullest capability, if I didn't put everything I had, it'd be the biggest regret of my life, right? So. Right. That's when I was in this weird place of, okay, I'm not where I want to be, but I see the opportunity. Can I be who I want in the opportunity and make both work at the same time? Right. And I just started going on this. I mean, I started doing the whole, and I still do to this day. I listen to probably two to four hours of podcasts today mm-hmm. and became a big reader and then talking to people and opening up more and finding a mentor and all these different things. And right. it's like, now it's Personal just, growth. Yeah, yeah. Now it just seems effortless. So good. Like it just, yeah, the job just feels effortless now and I'm busier than I've ever been. And that's, that's one of the coolest, coolest feelings. That's cool. What about you, Al? Um, well, personally, I think the biggest thing in 2019 was just, uh, learning to engage and have that conversation, whether it was good or bad in terms of like, you know, it's, it's easy delivering good news, but yeah, the, everyone the, loves the good yeah, news. It's the bad and it's the challenging news. It's the, you know, we have a small issue. Uh, making it faster as I was progressing the year, I made that call faster and quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, once I, of course, I got my facts straight. I didn't want to give you know incorrect drama if I didn't need to. But I always thought that delivering the worst news was like uh, the end of the world for that broker. In reality, you call that broker like, okay, well, you know what? Let's figure out a way to get it done. And then just like it wasn't never, it wasn't that big of a conversation, right? And I wasted all that time and all that personal anxiety on that yeah. personal like. Oh my, like, I can't, I nightmares at night, you know, it was when in reality, everybody's in this business to get the loan done and figure out a way to the best benefit of the borrower. So let's just keep on going. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's that, that big step. And with a lot of new AEs, you're going to have that phone. That phone's going to be 5,000 pounds, but the quicker you could make that phone call and the quicker you could over, overcome that, you know, mm-hmm. that obstacle, it just makes a world of difference for that relationship, for that file, for your overall health. And you realize, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, I, yeah. so many times I thought, like, I'm going to lose this broker. I'm going to lose him. No way he's going to call me back. Call me back. Hey, I got three more scenarios. You know, yeah. let's keep on going. Whole lot of overthinking. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like, mm-hmm. we're like, okay. Like, you know, you, you understand. When you think about it, they, they get that call right. from other lenders, too, because mm-hmm. it's not. And or they think, don't, but or, he's willing to make it. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, and they, they've had those calls and they've had people not call and then they have the, the yeah. history of where's my later. file what the hell is going on and right. you know it, but i love that 
and, and I think this goes to not only, you know, you guys and the brokers, but this goes to the brokers, to the borrowers, like the quicker you make these calls to the borrower and let them know, here's our challenge. I got a few options I'm trying to work through, you know, that the quicker you do that, obviously you want to have your ducks in a row before you do it. Like you guys have said, but it just, it just keeps the problem from getting worse, right. you know, cause you yeah. get, you wait and you don't call that borrower back for three days you know, then maybe they could have solved that problem within the time or whatever. Yeah. And this goes hand in hand with kind of like fund loans progression. So like Mm -hmm. my internal progression, once we got our new guidelines and I'll touch on this again, we had to make that call less and less because we took the best of all the guides that were out there Mm -hmm. from every single investor. Mm -hmm. We tweaked them. We made it, we took a make sense approach. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have to, you know, ask big brother for that help on the file. We made it internally. We moved on, pressed on forward, got the loan done. And, uh, you know, the phone loans progression with our new guys, with our new staff went hand in hand with me being able to be more confident in our product, our brokers more confident in our product, you know, our, you know, our own cu- customer more confident in the product. Right. And it just, everybody's thriving at this moment. You yep. know? What are your goals for 2020? So I remember when we did this last January, my goal was to do $150 million. <laughs> hey, big, almost big missed goals. that by 50%. But same thing. I mean, the, the goal is just to always improve personally and then and, and hit bigger numbers, right? So I want to do double what I did in 2019, though. Yeah. I feel like what I, like I was saying earlier, what I did learn, I'm now primed in a place mentally to be able to get to there mm-hmm. because I don't have the overthinking and the anxiety and the nightmares. <laughs> Literally, I was, I was, I take it dead serious when he says that. Like, I'd wake up in the middle of the night. Oh, shit, I forgot that email. I didn't tell this person. What am I going to do? Right. I don't fall off the train, whatever it might be. So now I'm past all that and I know how to do it. I think I can, I, I know I can do at least double what I did last year. Cool, man. You? Yeah, she said 150. My goal is 115 for this year, 150 million. Um, you know, and, and whether that's, uh, you know, 12 and a half million per month or what have you, but it's, it's going to be 150, And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of my end goal for the year for personally. Nice. Um, yeah, no reason why we can't do it. None. Any new products you just want to come out? (laughs) Stated on rock. (laughs) His suggestion. Yeah. I mean, I I can't get that question enough. Hey, uh, can I get do stated? Uh, Is it on rock or is it investment? Because investment, you could do no income, no assets. Yeah, yeah. The people rock, call yeah. it stated. It's just, but it's. Right. It actually the reason why it's it's safer is because you're not putting, you're not lying, you're not right. putting any income down, right? Mm-hmm. But like that's what got I think people in trouble was because you you show up, you go to court, and the judge would say like you know this poor lady who you know who was a you know teacher right and and you know she's now in foreclosure. And they pull up your loan application and says, You you say you said that the teacher made twenty five thousand a month? <laughs> the mortgage broker's like, uh that's what she stated. And she's like, No, I didn't. You know? <laughs> well, it's the so, funniest when you tell a broker it's not an owner, they're like, Well, they're gonna move out and rent it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, come on. I don't know. I think that maybe not stated, but I get a lot of these they have a fifteen or twenty L T V. Right. Yeah. Be something can, can do we, for somebody with all can we ignore equity? the income if the LTV is low enough? LTV and right. like one thing I take from our underwriting manager Jerry is uh, reserves as a huge indicator on whether somebody will foreclose. Right. I think he said even three months is like a huge difference in percentage. Well, so it matters. Like yeah. think about it. if someone doesn't have any savings, mm-hmm. then they have no way if shit hits the fan to 
to do anything, right? Mm -hmm. Like almost anyone in almost anyone in this economy can get a job. Mm -hmm. If they lose their job today, they could go out and find something tomorrow. Maybe they could find something in a month, you know? So if you have three months of, of cushion, that's huge I yeah. mean, compared to like someone who's got nothing and they got credit cards in there, you know? Right. So maybe we do have a 50 LTV good credit bar with, with reserves, with reserves and say, okay, you have the ability to repay, you know, for X amount of months mm -hmm. and come out with an alternate program. program well, people like are that. toying with it. There are um, some products that are being talked about that are like, you know, some banks have some rule that, it, you know, if they have six months payments and they can kind of ignore the, some of the DTI stuff, but, you know, so I do think it will evolve. You know, I think the worst thing that could happen would be state income zero down, right? Mm -hmm. Right. But maybe yeah, none uh, of that on purchases, man. It's got to be LTV driven. Yeah, LTV driven, and you know, and and there's there's also the skin in the game thing, mm -hmm. you know. But so yeah, like a like a something that's less ATR, you know, driven and more equity driven, more credit driven. Like if especially if you look at someone's credit and go. All right, their payment was three thousand a month. We're we're refining them into a lower rate. Now it's twenty eight hundred a month. They've never missed a payment in three years. You know what? Like, what's going to change? Yeah, what would make them? You know, they're figuring it out somehow. Right. Yeah, especially if it's like a low LTV, right? Then it's like they're gonna they're not gonna foreclose on that. You know, so I, I do think there's some new products that will emerge. Um, my prediction's always been that you know history rhymes and kind of repeats in ways and. Um, you know, when, when big money, like the money on the street, the wall street money, um, you know, if, if there's a stock market issue and drops, then, you know, they go to the safe havens and then that's usually bonds, mortgage bonds. And then all this money bulges into the mortgage bond market. And then there's pressure then now to create more product because they want to or they want to, um, deploy the capital. And so what, that pressure does is it expands guidelines. So, you know, if you see a big stock market crash, not crash, but like correction or, you know, and, and just this whole thing with the, with the, uh, uh, IPOs kind of going away the we work thing and all that, like IPOs sort of kind of backing off a lot, a lot of the venture cap, a lot of this money is looking for other ways to deploy. You're going to see a lot more product development in 2020. That's my prediction. I think there's going to be and we're, we, lo I love product development. It's one of my favorite things about this business is creating new products. So I'm excited to, you know, probably Q2, we'll have some new products and I was hoping Q1, but, um, you know. soft drop, is that soft, that drop. soft drop right there. A little soft drop. Yeah. Q2, right. uh, should, right. I'm, I, you know, and that's right in perfect time for summer. Right. And, and who, who, you know, keeping your finger on the pulse of who's buying out there. Is it millennials? Is it, what do they need? Is there like, you know, is there issues with, with, uh, millennials who have multiple sources of income and, but they have student debt, you know, and, and how to solve that problem because mm -hmm. millennials are starting to age to the point where they want to start families and they want to, you know, and they're, they're a huge generation, right? It's a huge demographic. I think it's bigger than the boomers, right? It's like, um, it's, it's a big demographic. So there's going to be products built for them. I even mean, you know Fannie Freddie is probably trying to build some products, even though they're re retracting out of the market. You know, they're, they're, they're going to, they're going to narrow their products down and they're going to, they're going to back up. They don't want to be such a big buyer of all these loans. So a lot, a lot of uh, guys like us and other lenders are going to start coming out with more products, which is going to be cool. Okay. Just going to be mean that uh, 2020 and, and a few more years after that, you know, we should have a good run.
you know, I mean, that's my crystal ball. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, anything, you know, anything can change though, depending on the election and you know, yeah, election year. the powers that be. A um, lot out of our control. Yeah. So all we can do is just, you know, continue doing what we're doing. Um, what, what advice do you have for mortgage brokers? Like, is there something that is a pet peeve like that mortgage brokers do? Like, <laughs> let's embarrass them real fast. Like, well, this is funny. Like, give me a couple of stories. Don't name names. Don't name names. You can call them, you know, John Doe and Jane Doe or whatever you want to do. But like, is there something that's kind of like, God, this guy or this girl, like what? Why, why, why do they do this? Yeah, it's like, what are you going to say? I love all my brokers. They do everything right. They, they call it. They, uh, they call, if they, I had some advice. Yeah. Right, they're, they're all perfect. They're yeah. grateful. Um, you know, it's just like, there's so many people that touch these loans, you know, it just, um, it going that extra, like a little bit of a mile to like understand your borrower. The, the best brokers I have know the 1003 inside and out. They know did their they take the application assets, income. They, right. Like when I call them about like, Hey, did you know that? This was a second home, but they don't have a primary. You know, things like that. It's right, like, right. It's just that conversation that you don't want to have, but like it's because it's so obvious. And just that take that extra, like the best brokers I have take that extra two seconds and they know their files inside and out. So when so many people touch the file, so when an underwriter or account manager, we reach out or call you or we email you, then everybody's like, all right, you know, we're still in the game versus like, I had no idea that came out of the left field. Like, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I didn't uh, know it was a manufactured house. Yeah. Just a little bit of stuff. I, <laughs> you know, I, I, we know like, everybody hustles. Just like, take that. Things on know? wheels. Yeah, right. <laughs> I didn't know that uh, right. it's, I'm looking at the appraisal and this thing's on wheels. <laughs> like we have a high like conversion rate to funding these loans and we could do it on most of these packages. Yeah. You know, just if the package comes in and it's not what you said it was. Right. You know, we're going to get, we're going to all, all of our expectations are going to, you know, get let down. So. Yeah. What else? My frustration is not even their fault. And it's, yeah. it's more the industry. So it's just your broker giving you the trust and having faith that if you say you're going to do something, or if it's going to go this way or trust my team, the constant pushback or almost fighting you on it or not wanting to give you a condition because they don't think it's going to really prompt Matter. the response. You that don't you're need that. <laughs> yeah. So you're, it's, uh, but I need it actually. <laughs> or not even, Hey, just get me this. And I promise. What yeah. and it just opens up a whole nother series of questions. And then mm. they fight it, and they don't even ask the borrower for it. And then they just try to give you so much pushback, not having that. But again, I get it, right? Yeah. Because well, our industry we has lot. become so cumbersome with yeah. all these conditions, a, and not even that. There's just so many non-cumulative lenders that mm. don't know what they're doing. Right. That have you know diffused any ability for that broker to trust an AE and what they say they're going to do. Right. So right. It's just that that lack of just, hey, trust me. Mm-hmm. If we do it this way, you're going to be fine. Right. If you're going to make me go ask to borrow for that or cancel loan, we're not getting it done. Yeah. But it's, we're their fourth lender all of a sudden. It's, I got a CTC on a loan today. The lady started the, um, started the loan in August. We are her fourth non-QM lender. We CTC'd it in 32 days. So 32 tough, pisses tough me off. I wonder if they got, they figured out how to get it right. <laughs> yeah, but like but, but 32 still. to me, I'm like, damn, t-. she's like, no, you don't understand. Three other people couldn't do this in general. I don't care if it would have taken 60. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just, now Did, I have was that trust, a good? Was it a right? good, like, you don't have to say, you know, was it a good broker? Or just the file was not fitting guidelines? The borrower other- was just extremely complex. Yeah. yeah. 
right? Multiple accept. But if you look at it, it's it a good sense, loan, right? right? Yeah. We just had to navigate through all these trenches and stuff to get there. Right. So at first, I got a lot of pushback, right? No, you're just like everyone else. Everyone has made these promises. Mm-hmm. And when we're just casual about it, nah, just give me this, it'll be fine. They're, you're a little too... Really? Yeah, like, no, what do you mean? Do you, you want to get on the phone? We'll even get Jerry on the phone sometimes. He's like, yeah. nope. You send that in, I'll get your exception. They're like, no, it's not that easy. We're like, but it is. Yeah, yeah. because when we get a conditional approval, like, we mean it. Like, our conditions are for the final closing. Like, yep. we're not a lender that will give you a conditional approval and then pull it back out two weeks later because, right. you know, we missed something. You know, that's one thing that I hear constantly, that our approvals are legit. Mm-hmm. Get the items we need. You know, a couple of things pop up based off, you know, credit, things like that. But for the most part, it's yeah. when, once you get approval, I'm like, all right, yeah, and we're not that's that exactly, and because we're not that person that once you sign off half the conditions, six more appear. Right, right. But people have been through that so many times that I can't blame them for my frustration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I get my team in and out. We've been around it since the beginning, so it's it's a different perception too. Maybe I'm a little too lax when I'm just like, yeah, no, it's not a big deal. Yeah, but that's it's just that's, a good point. that's how we are though. You could do the flip side, like, oh man, this is gonna be tough. Like, get this to me, and I'll do my best to get it done. <laughs> And just always be the and hero. Always be the hero. <laughs> yeah. we'll edit that part out so I can use it. Yeah. Yeah. One of one of if I may get rid of the writer rescission, please. <laughs> On refis. Because there's like two of them now with the CD and the yeah, it's, it's a refi. Yeah, they yeah, have yeah. the mortgage. It's they know like, they're getting oh. another mortgage on their own property. Doesn't make sense. Please get rid of it. Yeah, <laughs> there's a California right of rescission, and there's other states, but I don't know. I, I think there's a bunch of them that have the rescission. But no, it's like, you're pretty good at getting stuff like you know what? Back in the subprime days, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, call your center. Back in the subprime days, I remember sweating during that time. Like, oh god, the, the rescission day, day? yeah, because <laughs> because I don't know what it was back then. Because probably because we charged too many points, yeah. like, <laughs> and you know, you'd always be like, "Are they going to take this?" <laughs> You know, you sold it to them, and then, and then they got three days to think about it. You know, and then you know, and then there's always someone you know calling, trying to give them something better, and you're just like, oh, three days up, fine." And then you you know come in, look at the fax machine, and see, make sure you didn't get a rescission notice, like fax to you back saying, "Please cancel the loan." But um, one of the pet peeves I have as a CEO of the company, but also as an originator doing these big jumbo loans myself, you know, in the past, and then also seeing a lot of white elephants and seeing a lot of properties that are, you know, the broker thinks this is worth $18 million, you know, I have an appraisal (laughs) with comps 90 miles away. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I think if you're going to get into doing these, these loans that are 7 million, 9 million, 12 million, 8 million, all those type of loans be, you know, take a minute to, do your own due diligence on the loan, like on the on the value, because the value when it gets to those anything over five million, it's so driven by value, right? Like in location, and you know, so if it's in like um, Bakersfield, you know, and it's a ten million dollar house, and you're like, what does this guy have under? Is a gold mine under there? Like, what makes this the ten million? You know, so I think what brokers might be able to do better when it comes to this is just to to go into Redfin. I know everyone hates Zillow, but going to Zillow. Maybe look at realtor, whatever, you know, and just see if there's comps on a value, you know, and, and, and look at an appraisal, take a five minute look at the appraisal and look and see. And, you know, you, these days you don't have to worry as much about appraisals as we did in the past because appraisers would give you kind of values when you needed them sometimes. 
But um, now praisers don't have a reason to give a higher value. But for some reason, still, you know, maybe the appraisal was done for a estate sale or something else. And it wasn't ordered by, you know, a firewall or AMC or whatever. But I think um, if I could give any advice to the brokers is just, you know, take one minute, Google the address, see if there's some values. I know you guys do that on your your files, but um, you know, sometimes we just get these these white elephants, these crazy looking Taj Mahal in the middle of the desert, you know, like in a in a wrong in an area that there's no other house like that. And it's yeah. like, you know, maybe it's a 10 LTV, you know, we'll think about it. But like that's, you know, someone told me one time, a a fund manager told me one time. You know, a ten million dollar house could quickly become a five million dollar house if the yep. buyer's not if there's no buyers. Right. So, um, anything else? Any kind of advice that you could give on that front? Because I know we you see a lot of big big loans. <clears throat> yeah. What I else mean, can they do to make sure that big loan is going to be a success? Yeah, I think setting the expectations for the borrower as well. You know, if a borrower like how many times have borrowers called any of any of you guys and said, "Hey, my home's worth three million. Yeah, and then you get two appraisals back, and it's worth two point two million, and you're right. already at you know ninety LTV now. So it's like, like you said, um, doing your homework on the value, mm-hmm. and then set expectations with the borrower, and say, hey, I know this is your first time, fourth time going around. Yeah, but first time working with me, working with fund loans, we mean what we do. So I think the borrower expectations, as well as doing a little your homework, is is huge. Yeah. In, our, in our non-QM space, and know? we have a chief appraiser. So if you have a question yeah. and you're like, oh, I don't know if this is a this value's there. Email it to the to the AE and we'll get it in front of our chief appraiser. Do it all the time. Yeah. Anytime yeah. there's a value question, send it off, and within 24 hours we're going to have a value check back. Yep. yep, I think it's in that range, or no, you're not going to be realistic. Right? Submit that loan, yeah. And then we have confidence that this thing is going to kind of fly through, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, what is some, What are some things you guys could share with brokers on how they can have an incredible 2020? Use fund loans. Yeah, fund loans. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, and I don't want this to be a commercial, obviously, about us, but like, yeah. like there, there are, um, there are, there are lenders that do agency, like we touched on earlier, agency and and non QM. But I think there's a lot of brokers leaving a lot of business on the table. Okay. So That's if I didn't have any advice, it'd be just ask, ask. There's so many loans that. I will get in that conversation with the broker about the different products and things we can do. And they're mm-hmm. like, I had a loan two months ago you could have done. Right. And they'll call the borrower and the borrower went somewhere else and got it, you know, figured out somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I still have so many conversations where brokers don't understand how expansive non-QM truly is. Right. And you can still get a great rate right. type of thing. Yeah. Like when we are doing these, I have one in right now. Primary borrower is bank statements, 12-month bank statement. She has a non-occupant co-borrower who is full doc with asset allowance. Mm -hmm. So he's doing our combined income source. The father is. She's doing a 12-month bank statement. She's getting her loan at 4.5%. Yeah. Something wildly outside the box. Non-occupant co-borrower without going full doc. Mm -hmm. And you have all the wildly outside the box. And she's still in the fours. And so, like, you know, maybe that borrower were to come to a broker and said, <clears throat> you know, maybe it's the daughter, right? And she's, you know, in her 20s. She's just her first house. And she just doesn't qualify. And then you turn her away as a broker. You're like, I can't. Sorry, you don't qualify. Your WTs. I looked at your W. Yeah, you're not going to be able to buy this house. But, like, some, but someone who's experienced and knows, well, what else can we do? Would, you, would your dad be willing to co-sign? Would your uncle, whoever, right, be able you to get a gift? Yeah. And you get a gift. And then you just start going down those questions of, how could we maybe look at making this deal yeah. work? 
And I think people do that when they have limited business more. Like a broker might be like, yeah, I don't have 20 loans banging down my door. So let's let's dig into this a little bit more. But all it takes is a few questions just yeah. to ask them a few questions, right? And, you know, it. Uh, I think you can add value as a broker to your your database, your borrowers, your realtors by being that, it's almost like a practitioner. You're like a, you know, like you're inquisitive about potential opportunities to make a loan work versus just, uh, sorry, can't do it. No. Yeah. And I, th- I, I still get all the time, like big time brokers saying that they still don't do non-QM because it's too hard. Wild. And <laughs> yeah. and they haven't done non-QM maybe since like three years ago. And it's like, like, I just want to like go into their office and maybe I should and say, Hey, I will do this with you to show you how easy this mm-hmm. is. Cause they're already heavy producers. They're already bringing a lot of loans. The thing about like, I like about non-QM it's you do the bank statement loan you coach them up on their tax returns in two years. You they you take them full doc, mm-hmm. or you keep on doing bank statement loans because it's not worth it to go to go full doc. Right, you know? right. But the the race last year in non QM was high sixes, high sevens. Now it's like Austin said in the fours, you mm-hmm. know, consistently. Yeah. So it's like if you were to did a bank statement loan last year, you were already probably refi them again this year. Right. You know, there's just a whole portion of your business that you're not adding yet because of the non QM right. kind of idea. But it's so much different now, you know. Find that lender. My advice: find that lender. Find that AE mm-hmm. that is willing to grind it out for you on the first one. Yeah. Uh, first one's generally the toughest. New people, new staff, and after that, you know, you will find it so much easier to get these non-commitments done. Happy borrowers, you know, better expectations, and then future. And, and when you get so, uh, a loan done that mm-hmm. other people couldn't, they all of a sudden now are your are kind of your biggest fan, and they and they tell people about you. Right. Because they're that, so happy. It gives that LO a little bit of a confidence boost. Yeah. Yeah. Like, damn, I'm known as the guy who got the one no one could do done, right? right. The borrower came to me mm-hmm. desperate. And then now, what do you think that'll do for you? You yeah. get referrals. Mm-hmm. And right. And then the whole cycle starts all over. And then you're not just grinding over little in eighths of rates or like, I, I remember as a loan officer back in the day, you, you would have a borrower you thought was good. You order the appraisal. Then they come back and they're, oh, uh, I saw an ad and these guys are have no, uh, underwriting fees mm-hmm. and no, and you're like, you know, and like <laughs> over $600, you just lost the loan. You know, yeah. you're like, this stuff is, is more about getting it done than like the little grinding on the eighth of rate or 10th mm-hmm. of a rate or, you know, $500 fee or whatever it might be. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, if you can get this down and then, it all comes down to why we're doing this, right? We're, we're obviously doing it to help people, which we, we love that part of it. But at the end of the day, we're also getting paid. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing jumbo loans, and I know you guys have done the math probably on some of your broker's checks when they yeah, find a loan. Yeah, you see it right there on the CD and the you know, LE, like, how much they're making. It's, and it's good, good for some of them, man. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so... And like, I'm happy to help them get it done <laughs> when they're making what they're making. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then, yeah. you know, it's, it's exciting because, you know, and some of them maybe have never made that much on a, on a deal before, mm-hmm. but then they get the taste of it. And they're like, okay, I'm going to do, I want to do more of these. Like, you know, right. Like, cause in this day and age with Dodd-Frank, we have to get paid on BIPs. So a $300,000 loan or $100,000 loan, you're getting paid. Like maybe your comps one and a quarter, one and a half, whatever it is. When you see those checks versus a million dollar loan, three million dollar loan, 
It's quite a big difference. Yep. Especially if we're if it's as easy as we're saying it is, right? And try us out. It's it's gotten way easier. Yes. That's that was one of my 2019 goals was to make non-QM easy. Mm-hmm. Because one of my biggest pet peeves was how hard it was. And not naming names, but there was an angel in the first part of the word was so hard to get it done. Mm-hmm. Like, and that was, yeah, granted 2014, 2015, early on, but it, it's just gotten so much better, so much easier. And, you know, I don't, I've never, I haven't sent a loan to Angel Oak in five years, but right. four years, but, you know, I, I still hear, and we, we hear it at the, the, you know, the trade show sometimes, like, like, it's just hard, 45 day close, you know. And occasionally they'll come through with the, fast close you know and you'll see it on their linkedin or whatever with the perfect file yeah yeah, yeah. but um but I, i'm pr- i'm proud that and we should do some data on how quickly some of our what's the fastest loan you ever closed uh nine calendar days and bank what's statement owner rock purchase see that was a, that was a owner rock and a bank statement it wasn't a no ratio correct and nine calendar days and, and what would you say like is the average on your file? Uh, the average, I would say, like, you know, anywhere from 21 to 27 days. Um, I'm fully confident if it comes in on the first or second of the month that we're going to fund it same month. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of non-QM lenders can't really say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've, uh, you, you know, upper management here at Fund Loans have put it into place for us to make that a consistent goal in 2020 as well with hiring, yeah. you know, three, four new underwriters, you know, mm-hmm. just because you saw this, you know, propelling. But, uh, you know, I think that's the key is our ability to not only become expansive with guides, but um, our ability to, to uh, beat the expectation of, you know, when somebody emails me saying, hey, is three days enough on, a, on an escrow? I'm like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and then when I see, you know, you know, longer then I'm like, oh, I don't need all that time, you know, because <laughs> time kills deals anyways. But it does. Uh, but yeah. What about you, Austin? So not my fastest, but most proud of. I did a 4.4 million bank statement loan in 17 calendar days. I'll take nice. that. I'll take that. Uh, exchange. Yeah, you'll take the 4.4. 4. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of 90. Yeah, mine was like 400,000. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, that's good. good that's still yeah. fast, though. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's still good. fast. What was the fastest, though? I think it was around 11. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like a full doc, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not counting no ratios because we've gotten some of those done in like seven, eight days. But mm-hmm. those are non-trade, business purpose, no income. I mean, that the, you should be able to get those. <laughs> if you, you get a full package, that those loan are in yeah, 12 yeah. days. But a documented like. income, I'm like 11, 11 or 12. That's cool. Right yeah. on. Um, well, I'm excited about, excited about 2020. Um, What's your goal for the company? Huh? A billion. 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 We're going to do a billion. One billion. We're gonna well, do we have it. 300 million right here. So. Yeah. 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 So everyone else has got to use 700. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hired like, you know, 15 AEs. Yeah, we got it. That yeah. Self Summit was not, it was phenomenal. That room looks crazy considering we just got it three months ago and we had like five people over there. Mm-hmm. Now it's full. It's full. It's full. It's a good time to yeah, be yeah. in the mortgage spaces. business. It is. And with these products, the product expansions, the, the, all what's coming. I mean, I, and I just saw some articles that was, I think it was CNBC saying that the, again, like values aren't going to go down because there just isn't enough supply. And mm-hmm. they said, even in the luxury market, there's, there's a restriction, the, the con, constriction, constriction <laughs> of, uh, of, of properties. So for some reason, I think some of it has to do with state 
you know, legislation and not building new, you know, a lot of these builders haven't jumped in to build, you know, the big tracks that they used to build. Uh, they're being more cautious, more careful. There's not a lot of good, you know, labor in the, in the um, <clears throat> construction business out there, you know, and, and, you know, f- fires that have happened that have just, you know, yeah. took out a ton of homes that, you know, but um, I, I think, you know, and I think with wages and with, with job, people with jobs, there's just more people wanting to buy and able to buy. Mm-hmm. So I think the values will continue to go up. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's going to be a good year. Looking forward to it. Yeah. All right, guys. So last question, what is your favorite failure? Could be favorite failure in your life. Could be favorite failure this year, last year. I mean, could be favorite failure when you were a kid. You bumped your knee on a on a table. <laughs> failure. What your, what's your favorite failure? Because it's usually the, the failures are what make us learn, right? Like you touch a stove, you're like, dang it, that hurt, but I'm never gonna do it again. That's not a favorite favorite one. You know, maybe it's I don't know. Uh, what do you think? Sure. My favorite failure is probably in September when the rates kind of went up, you know? And it's like, oh, we were riding this rate train downwards for like four months over the summer, and the rates climbed back up, and and I just got hit with like eighth quarter, you know, things like that, and rates. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you almost forgot, like, oh, like when you should lock a rate, you should lock a rate. You know, setting expectations, our rates fluctuate. Yeah, you know, our rates fluctuate with the market. Non QM, our rates still fluctuate. Yeah, we're still tied to the market in some fashion. You know, yeah, we're not tied. You know, maybe on a day to day, hour to hour, like you know, conventional lenders are, but we're still tied to it. So I learned a tough lesson of setting expectations. You know, ensuring that my brokers and my relationships knew that our rates, this is today's rate. It could change yeah. next week. And uh, I, I learned a lot of tough, things, um, you know, n- n- notes that that month with with um, with the market and the rate rate uh, fluctuations and uh, and uh, you know, you kind of learn from that and and grow and able to have that tough conversation quicker and mm-hmm. you know it, it turned into a, a big learning mo- moment for me and not only for me but you know for everybody around me. That's a good one. Yeah. What about you, Austin? Getting fired from Chase. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be here. Yeah. I would have been right. comfortable and, you know, my thoughts on why or how are irrelevant because at the end of the day, I never, I was three interviews in with you guys already. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't get let go the day before my last interview with you guys, I never would have taken this job. Right. So my biggest failure is unknowingly doing things that led to me getting let go from a job I thought I probably would have stayed in for 30 years. Wow. I was comfortable. I turned yeah. down two dozen job interviews. Or uh, job offers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd been interviewing for years, and every time, I'm like, yeah, I'm comfortable. I know it. I'm gonna yep. get my one percent merit increase. I'll have a bonus every other year. <laughs> I can make this work. And I was just, I, I never would have left. Yeah, and you so, took a risk when yeah. you came came over here and it's something new. And you know, I think that's that's a, a good lesson. Is like, you know, sometimes you have to take risks and try things. So if you haven't tried non-QM, do it. Do it. Do it yes um just do it good good stuff yeah all right so please like share subscribe try us out if you haven't tried us out um i hope you learn a few things if you have please share tell people about this podcast trying to grow it also you can follow my instagram you can follow these guys instagram mine's uh john maddox underscore and uh yeah we have a lot of cool stuff that's on the social media channel so would love to have you guys uh check that out 
Um, and if you have any suggestions for guests or topics, please let us know because uh, we'd love to continue giving you guys great content. See you on the Thanks next for having us, John. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you guys are looking for more content like this, we have a Fun Loans YouTube channel where we give away more tips, secrets, and origination ideas. You can also email us at info at funloans.com. And if you've made it this far, I think it's safe to say you like our content. So please subscribe, share, and send us your scenarios. Let's fund loans together.